Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. touches from him the Italian defender rises above everybody else inside the penalty area And welcome back to A View from the Bullins with me, Mick Kemp, Lee McLean, Ben Winstanley, Jack Kemp, Matthew Neal, and our guest today is Matt Smith from Tactically Everton. Lee, Everton Neil, West Ham won. I'm sure you've got a lot to say, so far away. <laughs> I can't believe, well, I can't believe you come to me first as well when we get beat. Um, yeah, I have got a lot to say, Mick. I think it was a, a very predictable outcome yesterday um i think when we got that news a couple of days before the game that Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison weren't going to be available i think the collective feelings of Evertonians was oh no this could be a tough day against the decent West Ham side who have improved a lot of late under Moyes and ultimately that's what it turned out i think our shortcomings sort of caught up with us yesterday um now, don't get me wrong, it wasn't a great performance. I think we lacked the, the guile and a, and a bit of energy. I think the crowds were, were flat, possibly linked to the team news before the game and the, and the starting eleven that we saw, certainly a couple of choices. Um, and I think that all just played its part in, on, on what we saw ultimately over the 90 minutes. West Ham, I think, were value for the 1-0. I think just giving them credit, first of all, I think it was a decent away performance. Declan Rice was absolutely top man I definitely can see what all the fuss is about now with him I thought Antonio was a, a real handful up front for them really really good performance alone up front uh, from him um, but as for Everton I think aside from maybe Michael Keane did okay I thought Gray and Townsend did well I thought they, they played well again you know on, on, on another day with somebody else on the end of some of those deliveries it could have been a little bit different so it, it's not the worst team performance I've seen, but I think we were let down by the last five years and we keep coming back to it. I think I've seen tweets and, and the sort of condemnation, the universal condemnation from Evertonians around the, the recruitment and, and the, the absolutely terrible incompetence on behalf of the board brands 
since or, and whoever else since 2015. You know, when you see that starting lineup and that squad after we've spent however many hundreds of millions of pounds, you just think, how how's that happened? Um, and I'm sorry, it, it brings me. You've got to come on to Rondon, and I, I don't like singling players out. I don't think any of us do, but. I give him the benefit of the doubt for the last month, thinking, is he not just is he just not fit? Is he just getting back up to speed after being in, you know, a rubbish league and, and hardly playing any football? But but always at the back of my mind, I had a fear that he just wasn't up to it. He, he's not sort of a, an Everton standard player. He was shocking. You know, like really, really bad. Um, and I'm struggling to put forward an argument as to anything that he's good at. He's slow. He's immobile. He, he doesn't jump. Um, you know, if he's on there to replace Calvert-Lewin and be a target man and a focal point up front, then, pff, sorry, he doesn't do that because he doesn't hold the ball. He doesn't even jump for headers. He, he, he went up for a header in the 66th minute yesterday and, a, and an ironic cheer went up from the crowd because he, he won a header. I mean, and that, that says it all. Um, he's not good enough. I'm sorry. And if he's our backup striker, and I know he wasn't brought, being brought in to start games, um, but if that's the case, why is he starting games? If if, if he wasn't fit and, and the thought was, we'll bring him in, we'll let him get up to speed, play the last 10 minutes, give someone else a go, try something. How how much worse can can Dobbin be or anyone else for that matter? I'm not just banging the drum for him um, because it it was like playing with 10 men. Um, you then add Iwobi and, and I had an absolute nightmare on Twitter saying Iwobi deserves to start and then he puts a performance in like that. He was absolutely disgraceful him yesterday, and he's fast running out of chances. And you can just tell patience has run out um, on behalf of a lot of Evertonians with him. So it, that was like nine men, uh, like a lot of people have said. So we were let down, I think, by a couple of really poor individual performances on the day, but one from a player who isn't capable, I don't think, of a decent performance. He just hasn't got it in him. He looks like a 31 year old whose legs have completely gone. He had one half-decent season going back two or three years now. And that's, I think, all it was. It was half-decent. It wasn't anything special. It's not like he's consistently produced the goods in the Premier League. We've signed an absolute dud here. Um, and it saddens me that that's what we've got in front of us after this investment from Mishiri in the last five years. So Rondon didn't ask to be signed. This is the fault of the board and this is the fault of, of brands that he is the, the end product of their activity in the last five years. It just sickens me as an Evertonian. So, yeah, um, not happy. Um, but ultimately, I think, Mick, you've said it um, off air. You're right. I think when the dust settles, it's a defeat. It's a defeat to a decent side without our two strikers, uh, two best um, attacking players. Uh, it's not the end of the world. And if we beat Watford on Saturday, then I still think it is a, is a decent start. But we need Richarlison and or Calvert-Lewin back very, very quickly. Because if we don't, I think we're screwed. Jack, two questions for you. A lot has been said over the performance on social media uh, of yesterday's game, the one you'll defeat to West Ham. But also, like Lee's just touched on, Salomon Rondon's performance as well. I do sympathise with Rondon just a little bit. First question is, is the performance, what were your thoughts? And then Solomon Rondon. It wasn't, it wasn't a great performance, obviously. Um, it wasn't a good performance. It, it, it was poor. Um, I don't think it was as bad as some of the reaction has been on social media, I'll be honest. Um, I thought, like, like, like we've said, um, you know, and it, it's not difficult to work out without... Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison, Everton do do look toothless. Um, but most most clubs would be if you take out your, your best two attackers and your two main goal threats. Um, thought West Ham were, were excellent for the first 20 minutes. Thought they knocked the ball around really well. But I think if you think back to the first half, you know, the, the first real good chance fell to Everton with a Wobie and it was... Decent bit of football, got down on the right-hand side, cut the ball back and not quite sure what a wave he's doing really. But yeah, like, like Leah said, I think there was, there was a couple of performances from individuals that, that were not good. Um, I personally thought Everton did a, a decent job with Antonio. I've seen him 
really, you know, rip a team apart on his own up top and really bully. Um, I thought Michael Keane and, and Ben Godfrey did all right because I was very concerned when I, I saw Mina on the bench because I thought Mina would be the most um, sort of capable centre-back in dealing with him. I thought they did all right. Um, I would definitely echo what Lee said. I thought Declan Rice was superb, the best player on the pitch. Um, but if the game had finished nil-nil, I, I, I don't think... Um, I wouldn't have walked out of that ground thinking Everton got away with one today. because I, di- I didn't think there was a lot in it when you look at chances. I, I don't think there was. I think Everton had a couple of good chances. I think they did. Um, they might have had more of the ball, but I think most clubs are going to have more of the ball when they play Everton. Possession is a is a nothing statistic, really. It doesn't really bother me. Um, so, yeah, on, on the game, Mick, um, not great, but I've definitely seen a lot worse. And Jack, I'm just going to stick with you. Obviously, Salomon Rondon's performance is becoming under scrutiny. Again, Lee's, you know, had his say on his performance. What were your thoughts? And do you think he deserves more time? He should be pulled out? Shouldn't have started? Should have started? Where, where do you sit with Salomon Rondon? I think if Richarlison's fit next week, he comes straight back in and Rondon drops to the bench. Um, I, 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 it's a little bit unfortunate, isn't it? Because I think... Um, it was Jamie Carragher who said it on Sky Sports that Rondon was not bought to play up front on his own and to play 90 minutes, especially at this stage. He, he wasn't. But he's having, well, Benitez feels he has to because Everton don't have any other options. Um, it's a difficult one with Rondon. Like he, he's a third choice centre forward who, who, who should be just coming on the games to try and get a goal or you know, if we're two up sort of thing with 10 minutes to go and you can bring off Calvert-Lewin or Richarlison, he is struggling. He is. Um, but I think there's a danger that we're comparing him to Calvert-Lewin. They're very different centre-forwards. There aren't many centre-forwards in the league that do what Calvert-Lewin does in terms of winning the flick-ons, athleticism, running the channels, you know, being really difficult against centre-backs, but being able to score with, you know, his head as well as his feet. Um Rondon isn't isn't that type of player. He's completely different. Um, I think the one thing I would sort of... Um, the only criticism I have of Rafa Benitez yesterday was he had two substitutes left. And I was saying, we, we were talking about it in the ground, Mick. I didn't really understand why in those last five, ten minutes he, he didn't even throw on like a Yeri Mina up front because all it takes is a corner. And if you want any Everton player currently without Calvert-Lewin, to win the ball from a corner, you want it to be Mina. So I don't know why he didn't just throw caution to the wind and just say, right, Mina, get on, Dobbin, get on, we'll go three or four up front. And I think Everton went out with a bit of a whimper, really, which was a bit of a shame. Um, but yeah, I think you think you've just got to um, sort of have, you know, relatively low expectations with Rondon. We all knew he wasn't going to be a great signing, but he was just to sort of fill a gap, really. But that's because he's having to fill a gap because of the mess that Everton are in. Ben, I know you were bitterly disappointed with the scoreline. And, you know, we had a look at this four-block fixture before the next international break and we were talking in depth on the last podcast. If we could pick up, you know, so many points, it would put us in a, a great position heading into late November. What were your thoughts on the on the game? And obviously, again, I know you weren't happy with the Luca Dean performance. You think that his form's dipped and you weren't happy with Alex Awobi. So, so tell me what your thoughts were and your, your reflecting thoughts now you've had a day to sleep on it. First of all, big welcome to Matt from Tactically Everton. Great page on Twitter. If anyone listening, have a look at the threads. They're ace, really good content. Um, and isn't it good to have so many different opinions today? It's good to have a full house. But my my opinions, um, I'm going to echo a few thoughts on the previous two speakers in Jack and Lee. I feel like it w- if it would have ended nil-nil, no one would have potentially batted an eyelid. I felt like the effort and performance wasn't quite there for where he wanted to be, but this was always going to catch us out, I think, with regards to injuries and, yeah, we mean, being out. I think this is the game where finally hit home, where we just didn't have the firepower to obviously kick on, get in front and then come from behind. I think we could have played for 200 minutes and not scored. I feel like I've beat it on the drum for Benitez being a bit of a reactive manager. Um, And I think yesterday was the first time where I thought we need to make a substitution around the 65th, 67th minute when it went a bit flat. 
and he didn't make that substitution. And then suddenly West Ham go down the other end and concede. And in relation to the goal, another Everton comedy of errors, Jordan Pickford getting out-muscled by Antonio. A bit of a concern, that again. I know he's jumped high, but if you're a goalkeeper, you need to be clearing that and clearing out the striker as well. And then let's go on to the actual goal. Ogbonna had a bit of a run on Ben Godfrey. And look, Ben Godfrey is very raw. Um, he's still got a lot to prove at centre-half. His best performances for Everton have been a fullback. He's aggressive, he's physical, he'll get stuck in. But aerially now, a few times this season, he, he's lost headers. Ogbonna yesterday, Charlie Austin away at QPR a couple of times. And starting to now concern me a little bit how a big centre-half like he is can't win the headers at the back, which is predominantly one of the major issues, what you're going to be doing performance throughout the game. So that's a bit of a concern. Um, obviously, the lads have spoken on Rondon. Um, I feel a bit sorry for him, really. As, as Carragher quite rightly said on Sky Sports, he's brought in to come on for 20 minutes and he's been leading the line. And let's get it right. If Cheng Tosin, Richarlison and Carver-Lewin all fit, Ellis Sims, Lewis Dobbin, they'll get anywhere near the first 11 or even the squad say that. So I, I understand people's frustration, but obviously I, I'm fortunate enough to speak to people within the scouting network at Everton and the, the noise is coming out of Everton is... They're good, there's a talent, but they're nowhere near ready for the first 11. Nowhere near. The, the difference from the under-23 setup to the Premier League is enormous. And at the moment, they're, they're, they're good League One championship strikers. And obviously, we've seen that of Ellis Sims when he went to Blackpool last year, performed really well. And then it gets Everton fans excited, beating the drum. Um, so, I think everyone, I think people like me left that game yesterday going, when's Cheng Tosun back? And I think... I put a tweet out and a lot of people were agreeing, to be fair, because with Richarlison and Carver-Lewin being out, there's no firepower. I know Tosin moves like a wardrobe like Rondon as well, but he's a very good finisher uh, when he gets given the chance. And as you said, Mick, Rondon, the performance wasn't great. I, I don't think it was good at all. I do feel like he should have been substituted in 65 minutes. That was the time to make the substitution. He, he was knackered. He, he had a few decent chances, a few flick-ons, but just wasn't going right for him. So I, I think he should have started, but I think there was a, a chance for him to be substituted to give another one a go, maybe put Damari Gray up front, but then you lose your potential ability to beat a man on the wing. I felt before the game, I was very shocked not to see Anthony Gordon play. Um, obviously, West Ham had a young fullback on the on the right at right back. And Alex Awobi, we, we know he predominantly wants to play in a 10 in a more central position. He was tucking inside and, we were losing the width from the left and as Anthony Gordon proved against um, Manchester United the week before or a few weeks earlier that he's got a really good relationship with Lucas Dean he hugs the touchline he gives Everton natural width and I was just a bit shocked for that substitution to come in so I thought he didn't deserve to be dropped and for a Wobi to drop a performance like he had done was a bit was absolutely disgraceful really and he's just got to think for the next game he can't surely merit a place to start next next week but as you touched on in the question there, Mick, I was quite shocked of Lucas Dean's performance. It hasn't really been touched on, really. But he's just... What has happened this season? We touched on it last podcast with Borley and going forward, he's just not producing the goods as he was the past few seasons. And is it confidence? Is it the system? Is it what Rafa's telling him to do? I just don't know. Um, I'm more used to seeing Lucas Dean bomb up the left, whipping a ball, creating really good chances, but it just didn't happen at all yesterday. I thought Michael Keane was our best player on the pitch. Of course, he was a, he, he performed really well. And I thought Seamus Coleman performed well, coming in at right back, being out for so long. But I think looking in, it was screaming out for an extra man in midfield to obviously block out Suchek. Declan Weiss, as the lads have said, absolutely ran that game yesterday. He was fantastic. And you can clearly see why some of the big boys are sniffing around them. But when you're looking at the bench and you've got Gabamon and Davis maybe Raf is thinking I can't I can't risk it I can't afford to lose that attack and threat by going five in the middle or three in the middle which was needed uh, maybe if someone like Andre Gomez was available could have come on to dictate play get on the ball a bit but we were just over swamped in the midfield and look, if you, it should have it was a nil-nil game all over for me but look we got beat one nil off a set piece three points down but we, it's inevitable we bounce back against Watford now Mick to be honest so massive massive week ahead Matthew Neal, touching on what the guys have said, I read a really interesting article today and it said that he felt, this This certain journalist felt that Everton lost this game during the summer by not recruiting well enough and maybe maybe the previous last few transfer windows as well. 
Is that is that a fair assessment for you? Yeah, because you know you're going to have injuries, and, and teams have injuries, and unfortunately, it seems to happen with our best players and our key players. But you, you look at for me the whole the whole game just typified where we are as a team and as a squad. Really, unfortunately, um, I think I've been we've all been really impressed with our directness this season how quick we are how quick we break and I think it was Jack who said possession isn't important and I agree it's what you do with the possession but unfortunately yesterday some of the structural issues that we've seen over the the past year or two kicked in for me yesterday um when when you when you can't control the game at times you've got to be able to use that ball well when you do have it and I thought we really lacked ideas yesterday um, I thought our, att- our attacks were very um, one dimensional um, I think aside from a couple of couple of decent balls from Townsend and, and, a, and a few balls in from Gray I thought we really lacked any creativity um, the boys are right I think for all West Ham's possession I thought we defended our box really well I think Moisey uh, sort of spoke about that in his press conference that, you know, despite West Ham, they controlled the football and they moved it much better than us. You know, they're, they're much further ahead in their development than we are. Obviously, you know, moisey has been there for 18 months and, and Rafa's been here for, what, seven, eight games now. Uh, and you can see that because they're off the, off the movement, off-movement ball is, is just incredible compared to where they were when he came in. You know, they look like a real football team for me now. And that I think that was... My frustration and annoyance came from that yesterday because, like you said, through the recruitment, because I don't, I don't actually see any solutions within this squad to solve the issues that I'm talking about, unfortunately. Um, I don't see a midfield player that can, that can dictate the ball from deep. I don't see a creative player that can play sort of in that 10 um, and link the, the midfield to attack. So that's frustrating. And that comes down to recruitment. Um, I'm not. I don't know who the journalist you're speaking about. There, I'm not. I think that's, you know, a little bit harsh on this summer because clearly other circumstances dictated this summer. But previous summers, 100, percent um, and that, and that's not just going talking about Marcel Brands. That's talking about Steve Walsh as well. Um, but. For me, I always go back to it, the amount of midfield players that we bought under Marcel Brands and, you know, not, not many of them are good enough, are they? Um, and, and, and the boys are right. Yesterday was crying out for me, for me, for me, a midfield player that could get on the ball, drive us slightly further forward um, and start linking our play. It's never easy when you've got, you're essentially playing with uh, with 10 men. Um I actually thought it was probably Rondon's worst performance yesterday because... I've seen snippets of him versus Manchester United. I thought, you know, what he's doing all right there. He's linking the play. And that's what we need him to do. I'm not there. I actually don't expect him to score loads of goals this season. I didn't I didn't expect him to get more than five goals, to be honest. What I thought he could do was keep us in a system and a structure that meant even when Calvert-Lewin and Richardson were there, we could still play to our maximum. And I didn't think he did that at all yesterday. I thought he was really, really poor. Um Positionally, I didn't get what, what he was doing. He kept coming short at times, and then he didn't have the pace to get back. So essentially, it went back into the midfield, and there was no one up top. You know, the amount of times that, that Zuma and um, Ogbonna was, were, were, were stood there without anyone on them, they must have thought this is the easiest you know game we're ever going to play because just no one was no one was commanding those centre backs for West Ham, and that meant there was very little space very little space for us to work for in the midfield. Uh, they cramped out Gray and Townsend very, really, really easily in the end. Um, and that's the disappointing thing for me. The disappointment also comes from, there's no way Rafa Benitez can be can be stood on that touchline and be happy with the performance of certain individuals. We could see it after 65 minutes. Changes should have should have been made for me. Um I'd, I'd, have brought a, I'd have brought Gordon on much earlier than what he did for Awobi. I thought Awobi was really poor. Uh, again, he's just not enough goal or, you know, goal contribution from him. Um, you know, that's a sitter in the first half. Um, and 
for me, he should have made changes much, much earlier. Um, I don't think a Tom, Tom Davies coming on would have made a difference as well for me. I know he's not everyone's cup of tea, but we were getting, we didn't have any chance to dictate the game. And, we, and with 10, I think with just 10 minutes before they, they scored, for me, was the critical part of the game. We were on top. We come out second half, we were on top 60 minutes and we let them back in. We let them back in and they started getting corners and set pieces. And they've scored the most goals from set pieces um, since any since Moisey's come in. I think it was 17 goals they got last season. Um, and, and for me, that that period of game was where, where the game was won and lost. So for me now, just hopefully we can, Rafa can, can look at it and hopefully that's a one-off in terms of some of those structural issues. Um, because it's still been a good start to the season. It wasn't a catastrophic performance. We still look we still look a solid enough team, but recruitment and the way that people have operated in this football club has let us down and they've let the managers down. And if I'm Rafa Benitez, I'm sat there going, I'm worried here because I've been let down as well. Matt Smith, welcome. Matt Smith is from Tactically Everton. Matt, just touching on what Matthew Neal has just said in regards to Salomon Rondon fitting into a system and allowing Everton to play a certain way when the likes of Dominic Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison are unavailable. Do you think that's why Rondon is starting and maybe not grey up top? Or like Lee said, Lee would like to see maybe a youngster given a chance. Do you think that is why Rafa is persisting? with Salomon Rondon, hoping that he can link up the play, hold the ball and allow Graham Townsend to get into the game? See, but when he got brought in, I thought that's exactly what uh, he was looking for, that sort of target man role. Play it into his feet, play off him with Ray running in and Awobi and Gordon, whoever it may be. But he's simply not doing any of these things. You know, he, he wins a decent amount of headers statistically. Um, but I think he, he also loses a lot of headers as well. And I think a lot of this, the heading stats are sort of swayed when he comes he comes across for a sort of throw in and goes up against a small fullback because he did actually win six headers against West Ham and um, their centre-backs between them only won one, which I was quite surprised about. But like I said, I'm pretty sure most of them is just him drifting off to fullback spaces. But, um, but yeah, like I said, I think he was brought in to be Although he doesn't run the channels like Cavalier does, but he's that sort of focal point, that target man. But any time the ball comes into him, chest, head, he's, he's flicking it onto nowhere. He's, he's chesting it and he's, he's getting tackled. He's getting bullied off the ball. He's, he's not offering absolutely anything. And I think, um, I think Ben made a good point about the sort of link between the under-23s. Clearly, these players aren't, aren't good enough yet. And the likes of Ellis Sims, you know, Dobbin, you know, he, he's, he's obviously looks good in the under-23s, but can he play as a sort of main striker, focal point at sort of first-team level? Yeah, clearly not. Um, you know, I, I expect Dobbin to, when he comes on, to be playing sort of wide forward, maybe playing off the striker. You can't, I don't think you can expect someone of his age and his stature to be playing as a sort of focal point of a team. Um, so I think that's that's why he's just persistent with Rondon. Um, I think uh, yesterday could have been the turning point, though, because it's, there's got to be a time when you think, OK, right, he might have the stature and the size of sort of Calvert-Lewin, but he's really not offering anything. And we sort of have to try and think, right, do we have to play a little bit of a different way now? Um, hopefully, next week we'll have, it looks like obviously Calvert-Lewin's not going to be available for a while, but Hopefully, we'll have Richarlison to sort of play that sort of figurehead up front um, because it's just it's so clear that that's what we're lacking at the moment. Jack, moving away from Salomon Rondon, Alex Awobi is another person that's coming under heavy criticism from his performance against West Ham. What do you think Rafa Benita should do with Alex Awobi? He's another one where fans are now starting to almost berate Rafa for persisting with him. Numerous managers have persisted with Alex Iwobi. Like you said yesterday at the game, Carlo Ancelotti was another one who persisted with Iwobi. Do you think now is the time to say, Iwobi, you know, you've had more than enough chances and give Anthony Gordon a run of games, maybe five, half a dozen games and see where, we'll see how he develops as a player. Because at Manchester United, just before the international break, 
Anthony Gordon was very, very good. Yeah, um, would agree with you about the Anthony Gordon shout, Mick. Um, I think he was very unlucky not to start yesterday. Um, and, and I would definitely, I'd, I'd rather see Anthony Gordon um, in the starting eleven than Alex Awobi at the minute. I think um, the thing that Alex Awobi has, has got going against him is that Everton paid quite a hefty price tag for him. Um, and and it, it doesn't matter if you've never really heard of the player. When when the football club spend, what was it, right around the 25 mark, 25 million on a player, you instantly have quite high expectations because it's a large amount of money. Um, but with every passing season, 25 million is sort of the going rate now. But it's still a lot of money to spend. And I, and I think fans have much, much greater patience when it's a, a player who's been the product of the youth academy. Um, because let's be honest, there will be games where Gordon will be anonymous. That There will be because he's still learning his trade in the Premier League, which is completely understandable. But players will have more patience. Um the one thing that and I know you just said we we were discussing it at the ground um, yesterday is I, I, I do scratch my head in wonder how Alex Awobi played over a hundred games for Arsenal. Now I know this is not the Arsenal of sort of the late nineties, the early two thousands when they were where we were an excellent side, um, but he played a hundred times for Arsenal um, and. I've, I feel like I've seen enough now to suggest that there isn't... I think there is a bit of a player there, but I don't think Everton can persist with it and wait for it to come now. You know, what? What? how old is Alex Awobi? Somewhere, he must be around his mid-20s, 25. You know, he, he shouldn't be too far off his peak, but he looks like he's way off it and he's... Still learning his game, and like I said, like I said, then he, he's played a hundred times for Arsenal. Um, so I completely understand the players, sorry, the fans' frustrations with Awobi. Um, it was a very, very poor performance. I, I think I can probably count on one hand performances that have been good since he's been at Everton. Um, but in answer to your question, mate, yeah, I would, I would definitely uh, prefer to persist with Anthony Gordon for the time being, and you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't sort of um, just put you know Alex Awobi in with the under twenty threes or the reserves or anything because you know he, he's an asset financially that Everton may want to move on, and you've, you've got to be careful because you don't want to banish him out of the first team um, because hopefully. Everton will be able to recoup some of the money that they spent on him. Um, but but he's not good enough, Nick, and I, and I don't think he's ever going to be good enough. Lee, do you share the same thoughts as Jack regarding Alex Awobi? I know on social media, a lot of fans are now asking for Anthony Gordon to start ahead of Alex Awobi, especially on that right-hand side in front of Seamus Coleman or even on the left, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Where where do you sit with this? Do you think Alex Awobi's had enough chances? Yeah, I do. Um, I think he's been here for what is it two or three years now and aside from the odd glimpse I remember being at Brighton we were all there and, and you know I was sat next to Jack and we were commenting on just how good Awobi's second half performance was he, he he literally was faultless he came on and he was brilliant that day but I mean those sorts of fleeting glimpses of what he's potentially capable of are far too far um, few and far between um, so, like I said earlier, I think Evertonian's patience with him is is fast running out. If not, it's already ran out. Um, and as for Anthony Gordon, I do think he warrants a chance. Um, I remember a few years, a good few years back now, I remember speaking to Kevin Sheedy at a bar in Muggle. And he was commenting around wingers. And I don't know who we were talking about at the time. It could have been anyone. I can't remember. But he was talking about wingers needing a run of games just in the nature you know, they, they can be quite streaky. You know, they, they might have an off game where, you know, crosses might come off. You know, they might come up against a really good fullback and the fullback on the day gets the better of him. But the next week could be a little bit different and you need that opportunity. So I think that's a good point that, that's being made. I think give him half a dozen games, give him a chance, a proper run in the side to show us what he can do. 
and allow him to sort of grow in confidence and belief a little bit. And if he doesn't have a good game, it's not a disaster. You know, and I don't think there's going to be anyone calling for his head because there should be an understanding that some weeks as a winger, your fullback might get the better of you. You know, you might try things and it doesn't necessarily come off. But Gordon's shown enough to suggest that he's got something. There's, a, there's definitely a player in there. I remember when he first broke into the side, he was massively unlucky. He kept it in the post in the bar, if, if, you, if you remember. I think he needs one of those worldies that he used to score in the under-23s to go in. And I do think that will shoot his confidence right up. So I think now the time has arrived for him to be given a proper go. I think he's deserved that he's been patient enough. And ultimately, the people ahead of him, well, when I say the people, Awobi, are just not producing the goods. Um, so I think he can feel very hard done to. If he, if he isn't given an opportunity on um, on Saturday against Watford. Um, if, and, and another massive if is Richarlison coming back um, because hopefully he doesn't take one of those um, wide positions and he's put back in up front because we need to replace Rondon and we need to, a proper focal point up there in Richarlison. And then hopefully Gordon will get that opportunity um, out wide. Um, so yeah, I absolutely agree. I think Iwobi's time's past but Jack makes a really really great point there and it's one that you don't immediately think of you, we've got to be very careful how we handle him because we've we're in a very precarious position we haven't got many assets and we could still command a fee for him so it's not like we, we can just banish him to the stands I think it has to be managed quite carefully but uh, Gordon needs to step in now yeah and to, to you Ben Alex Awobi where where do you sit with him I know, I know sometimes you have been impressed with some of his performances and other times not so much, but do you think now is the time to pull him out of the team or would you persist? Um, well, I think beginning of this season, I think a lot of Evertonians agree. We kind of said, oh, he looks all right here, Iwobi. He's doing a bit and bobs. He looks interested. He wants to get on the ball and he predominantly wants to play in that 10 position. So he, I don't think he's a natural winger, to be honest. I think he does want to play in the 10 position. I just don't think... Alex Awobi will ever be right for Everton and the Everton fit. I just don't know why. I just don't feel like it comes across like the, the, the determination, the aggression that Evertonians can get right behind. Because um, like I said, even if you're performing not to the best of your ability, if you're putting the effort in, you're aggressive, you're tackling, you're tracking your men, you're trying your hardest, we'll still back you. I just don't feel like it comes across like that. I, like Lee touched on there, he come on against Brighton and he, he was dynamic, he wants the ball and maybe that's what he, he could be for Everton, someone could be off, off the bench when there's a few tired legs and you've seen the Everton videos that the um, the Everton admin and the content they're bringing out, every single player is saying Alex Awobi is the most skillful player in the team and sometimes I'm watching and I'm in utter disbelief to, to know how, how is he? he? He never really takes on a man, he doesn't really create much it doesn't really score for he's going to score a couple of times for Everton obviously in the Premier League I think both of them were against Wolves so as a winger or stroke 10 as he wants to play he's not getting assists he's not getting goals he's not taking on anyone so what exactly is he doing that is the question like so you look at the other wing look at Townsend he's chipping in with goals he's He's getting good assists. You look at Damari Gray, who again yesterday is literally walking past their, their defenders. Obviously, all like Ogbonna stood him up, went round him. And they're just reading a few threads on Twitter though. I just don't get why. Awobi was obviously playing against their, their right back. I can't remember his name. He's only a young kid. And we hardly went down that side. We hardly put him under pressure. This kid's playing on his debut at Goodison, which I, he, I wasn't there, but even watching on the TV... You could hear it wasn't up to full voice. It was kind of diminished. It was kind of like a Sunday afternoon stroll in the park. And I don't know if that affected the players, but he just didn't really want the ball. He didn't look interested. He kept on coming inside and we just kept on getting exposed. And then eventually Rafa decides to swap him and Gray. And as soon as Gray went onto the wing, he was literally just tearing people up like he does. Wanting the ball, demanding the ball and being direct and aggressive. And he's just not showing any of that. But he... As Jack and Lee again have said, he's probably a player who does hold value. He's got age on his side. And I do feel like somewhere a team could come in and he could fit in very, very well. I don't watch enough teams enough to see where, but there's definitely buyout 
potential for other for um, Everton to obviously invest in him, getting money into the clubs. So obviously, hopefully, look elsewhere because I just don't think it's going to work. It's been a long, it's been what two two years now since we paid obviously twenty eight million pounds for him, and he just hasn't kicked on. <clears throat> I even think for Arsenal, he didn't really kick on, and I think the whole Iwobi deal was a bit of a a panic buyer. Obviously, you've read the stories about what happened. He was in Dubai on holiday, chilling, and got a call from his agent going, do you want to go to Everton? Literally a last-minute deadline day move. And I think we, once again, tried all summer to get Zaha. That fall flat on his face, and we panicked and said, we need somebody in for cover, and ended up paying maybe a bit over the odds for a Wobie. But look, I want him to be good. He's one of these players where you think, you have got a bit about you, so show us. Shows what you can do, beat a few players. And he just never, ever comes to show because he's not exactly slow either. So, yeah, I just don't think it's going to work out long term for Mick. It's a shame. It's a real shame. I was quite optimistic when we signed him, but he hasn't kicked on. And I feel like he's running out of chances very, very quickly. Them stats yesterday were nothing short of disgusting in my eyes. And just talking about the stats, Matt Smith. I'm not sure if you've seen the stats, or I'm sure you have. What are your thoughts on Alex Iwobi and, and his, his output at Everton Football Club at the moment? Yeah, I think I, I, gen, I do think he looked he looked a lot better in the second half um, when he was sort of moved into the central role. Um, probably mainly because it allowed Gray to get at their their fullback, and um, I was I was sort of questioning in why he was starting because I had a feeling he might start in the in the 10 and we get Gray on the on the left because like Ben mentioned with Ben Johnson the right back who's I think he's only played once this season um, and I just thought it was, it was such a good chance to sort of get at him um, a young lad playing at Goodison and we just didn't see see any of that I think we had 30% of our attacks came down the left side but normally it's the sort of majority is the left-hand side, obviously, I've analysed most of the games. And, and yeah, I, I couldn't believe how, how little we were going down the left. And and, that, and that's why I thought, you know, away B was playing. He, he'd play in the 10 and we could have Gray out wide. But, yeah, he's just... He just doesn't, like, like Ben said, he doesn't take on a man. He doesn't create. He doesn't, you know... What does he actually do on the pitch? Because I think... Um, a lot of people think, oh, he gives the ball away a lot. His, his passing stats are, are generally quite good, um, but they were they were poor against West Ham. He, he, his, yeah, he just like like Ben said with the um, the stats that came up on Twitter. You know, the zero chances created, everything was zero. Literally, any any stat you could think of, it was zero. And um, I think the issue we have is every decent performance we've seen from Awobi over the last couple of years has been a substitute performance. And I, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, but I cannot remember a time where he's started a game and played the full game and we've gone, yeah, he's done well there. But you lads have been saying, he came on against Brighton, yeah, he looked, he looked decent there. And it was the same last season. And then that normally leads to him starting the next game when he comes on and then just not performing. And I think, how often are we going to keep this cycle going where, okay, he plays, he plays one game, and he does all right, so we start on the next game, and then he's terrible again. And we just need to accept he is a he is a substitute player. But I think realistically, in our best eleven, he, he's not going to play anyway. Um, obviously, when Richarlison's fit and Cavalier's fit, he's not in the starting eleven. Um, but there is obviously question marks as to why he's starting over Anthony Gordon. Um, I would have thought it had made sense against United. Obviously, whether he was injured, but because we hadn't seen much of Gordon. Um, but after that performance against United, he, he certainly deserved it. And he's, he's shown a lot of good direct running. And like I said, against that uh, that right back is exactly what we needed. And um, we saw it in the second half a couple of times with Gray and Dinier linking up. Um, we just needed more of that all game. And it was so so obvious to see. Um, I'm not sure how where we lasted 78 minutes, to be honest. But, um, but yeah, like, like we've mentioned as well, all this season, Rafa's been quite not reactive in his substitutions. You know, he's been sort of active and making the subs before something happens. 
And I think yesterday was the sort of first time where I looked at it and thought, okay, he's, you know, we've got a goal down and he's gone, right, we need to make a change. Whereas it was calling for a sub a lot earlier than that. And it, yeah, it was disappointing to not see that sub made uh, earlier or not start a worthy at all. Matt Neal moving away from Alex Awobi. Abdullah Decore played in the more forward position against Manchester United and was very, very effective at Old Trafford. Against West Ham, he had to sit in a bit more with Alan. Were you disappointed that Everton maybe at times didn't allow the freedom for Abdullah Decore to get forward and maybe bring on a Tom Davis to sit in next to Alan? Yeah, that's the way Aragon started the game. Um, you know, I think Rafa didn't probably didn't want to dismantle what's what's worked so far, but for me. In certain games this season, Decore is that outball in terms of, I've spoke about previously that, in terms of not having that number 10. Well, I think he probably, not someone that can play the traditional number 10 role, but Cat is probably the only midfield player in our squad that can play slightly further forward and generally be a threat in, in attacking areas. Um, and and, and some, sometimes there is times in games where you've got to control the tempo of the game and I think having another midfield player in there and allowing him to go slightly further forward would have 100% released him. Um, you know, I, I think at times he, he tried to do that. I didn't think he was as much involved as much in the second half, unfortunately. I thought, I thought once that first 20 minutes in the first half for West Ham went, we had that 10-15 minute spell I think that we had a couple of really good opportunities and he had he had a sort of half chance at the end, edge of the box there and he had a header uh, near the end of the first half there where he was getting in the box and unfortunately I just don't think we got the best out of our our key performers so far this season I, I'm not sh- I think at times there's, there's certain games where playing grey in that central role will work this season Um you know, maybe against teams that are lacking pace at the back through the middle. Um, but as the lads have alluded to there, to not put any pressure under the young fullback Johnson, who's hardly played a game in the Premier League, was a was a was a mad one for me. And for me, still Gray's best position um is off the left because it stretches other teams. And then in reality in in theory, should I say, that creates more space for, for the likes of Decore in midfield to to do their thing. Um, it's I'm just quickly touching on the Awobi thing from my view again. He should be the one. He he stated so many times that he's the one that wants wants to play the the, the central role. He plays that for for Nigeria. There's literally no number ten in the squad, so he, he's the only sort of profile that, that wants to play there. You, you, how many more opportunities is he going to get? You know, he had a little spell like he did at the start of this season, last season, where we all thought, oh, yeah, we're going to, you know, finally we're seeing him. It's all right doing it for three games, but then, you know, for the, what about the other 35 games of the season? You know, that it's just, I'm so, I, for me, that one's gone. Uh, get the best out of him uh, up until January or the summer. Um, but he, he's 100% one I'd be... Um, I'd be shipping out. Um, but yeah, maybe against Watford, move, uh, depending on what Rafa thinks, maybe playing Decore slightly further forward might benefit them. Um, I certainly think he will, I think teams are slowly working us out. I think they will work us out. I think, you know, there's only, there will have to be more to our game than what we've seen previously in, in the other seven games in terms of we'll have to mix it up and there will be certain games that we will have to control the tempo. And I think one of those games will be at the weekend. You know, we can't sit back and expect, you know, do what we did against West Ham and, and other teams against Watford. You know, that's that's just not going to work. So you'll have to find some sort of team, some sort of structure that allows us to to control the tempo, recycle the ball. I, 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 that, was, that was the annoying thing for me second half yesterday. You know, 60 minutes gone, nil-nil attacking the Gladys Street end, you just want that ball to be recycled, you know, attack after attack, just for five, ten minutes to really lift the place. Um, because we all know attacking that Gladys Street end, it does make a big, big difference. And I just think the whole midfield structure yesterday, Mick, was 
was a bit all over the place. Um, I don't think we got the best out of out of anyone. So hopefully we can find a solution for that against Watford and going forward before the January window. Because because for me, a, a midfield type that does that thing is is a priority. Jack, amongst all the hysteria of yesterday's defeat against West Ham United, Michael Keane has come out and spoke to the press. And when he was asked whether Everton would doubt a reality check, he's insisted that level heads are now required after the setback. And he's, he's gone on to say, I don't think it's a reality check. People can say what they want. We know what we're about and we know we can give anybody a game on our day. And then he went on to say, we didn't need a reality check. We've lost and we won't get too down about it. Do you think that's a fair assessment from Michael Keane? Yeah, I do, Mick. Um, I, I think calm heads is what's needed once you lose a game. Um, it's always very easy, isn't it, on the back of a defeat to, to be quite down and to be quite negative. But then on the flip side, when you have a good win and things are going well, you've got to be careful to not get, I wouldn't say excited is the right word, but to almost... Um, you know, start. You know, expectations don't rise too high. Um, it, for me, it's, for me, it's not a reality check, and I know some fans will disagree with that. I think um, we spoke about it on the podcast, haven't we? Um, I think West Ham have come quite a long way in quite a short period of time. But if you're being honest, West Ham are one of those clubs that Everton are competing with, and they're There'll be games where they beat Everton. But who's to say that Everton won't go to West Ham later in the season and win there? Um, Like I've said before already on the podcast, I didn't think there was a lot in it. Um, I think Lee could be right. I think West Ham probably did shade it maybe across the 90. But reality check, no, not really. Because I I wasn't getting overly excited. I'm, I'm... I like watching Everton um, this season, but I'm not sort of having dreams of making the top four. Everton are way off that. Um, so no, just calm calm head. Um, and, you know, you move on to Saturday. It, it's great, Mick, that this defeat has happened not before an international break, because imagine having to sit on that result now for two weeks. It would be difficult, painful, Um but Everton can bounce back on Saturday, you know, five, six days, beat Watford and then go into the away match at Wolves and try and, try and win there. And, and things look very, very rosy again. Um, but just like the Norwich game, I think the Watford game next weekend is a big one and a must, must win. Lee, looking at the season as a whole so far, eight games, 14 points, currently sitting eighth. Manchester United are also on 14 points, who lie in sixth, as are West Ham in seventh. Do you think Rafa Benitez and the management team will be reasonably satisfied where we are at the moment, or or do you think they'll be a bit disappointed? I I think they've probably got high expectations and demands of themselves and the players, so I think there's probably a a little bit of disappointment there. Um, But let's not forget, we have been unlucky. Um, We've... Well, I've certainly always thought, I'm, I'm like Jack, I've never really got excited even when we, we reeled off a couple of results back-to-back because there was always that thought in the back of my mind and I'm sure you guys, most Evertonians also shared this thought that we were always an injury or two away from a defeat or two, um, if that's the way you want to put it. Um, and that, that's what's happened. I think the, the, the key thing is now, yeah, is not to overreact, not to get too down over that defeat. I'll say it again, West Ham are a decent side and expect them to be up there in the top six, seven, whatever this season. But it's imperative that we get Richarlison and or Calvert-Lewin back because we can't afford, we are not in a position to lose players of that quality. Because as we've said before, the drop-off behind those two, it's just too big and you're not going to cope with that. You might get the odd results, the odd decent performance out of it. Um, But longer term, you know, over over the course of two, three, four games, I think it's it's going to catch up with us, and we are going to struggle. Um, so I think Saturday it's absolutely vital that we get 
Richarlison back, I think it will give the fans a lift. I think the whole place will feel a little bit different. Just seeing someone different up front, I really do. Um, I think there'll be a more of a positive energy around the place, a bit more enthusiasm. And thinking that we're, we're probably going to see a little bit of a better performance. I know I certainly will feel a lot better if I can see someone else leading the line on Saturday. Um, so overall, it's been it's been a decent start. I think we have been incredibly unlucky um, to be hit with injuries of this nature so early on. You get really angry thinking of that Tarkovsky tackle and the fact that he didn't get sent off for that. And ultimately, it's cost us Richarlison for, for a lot longer than we would have liked. Um, don't know what's going on with Calvert-Lewin. Um, you know, he seems to be getting setback after setback. It's a little bit concerning. But we need these players back. They're good players. I think any side would miss them. But Everton certainly do because our squad depth, as we've as we have commented on on numerous occasions thus far this season, it's just not there, and and we've sort of just got to get through until January. I commented to the fella sitting next to me yesterday. It was just one of them games we had to get through and somehow scrape a point. Ultimately, it wasn't to be, um, but it was always going to be difficult with the players that we had out. We just need to get them back, or I think if we don't. And if we don't get these players back in the next three or four weeks consistently, then I fear there is a chance that the season could tail off a little bit. Let's just pray that doesn't happen. Ben, one other thing that is starting to really grate on a lot of Evertonians on social media is the Goodison Park atmosphere. Many Everton fans believe it's just not good enough at home games. The atmosphere is not good and it's currently not helping the players it's very difficult, isn't it? You know, we travel around the country watching Everton play and a lot of home grounds, home atmospheres are not particularly great. You don't have that hardcore, so-called hardcore, shall we say, away fans all congregated into one area who are willing to get the atmosphere going like an away support. So do you think the fans are being a little bit harsh on the Goodison Park faithful or, or do you actually agree with them and think, yeah, you know what? The atmosphere isn't good enough. It doesn't help the Sky, BT, Amazon are moving us around every single week for TV image rights. And look, every home game I've been to this season has been the same. It's it's normally pretty mellow, a bit of a, a friendlyish atmosphere. And then as soon as we go one or two goals up, it, the atmosphere picks up and it's non-stop singing. I think Everton fans are very reactive to the performance that's getting shown in front of them. When the effort's not there, the crowd don't respond. Um I don't think the crowd will react before the players do. I think if the players put performance, putting some big tackles in, something to get them riled up and going, then you'll see a response. That's predominantly been the, the story around Goodison Park for a while. But like I said on previous podcasts, when it gets going, it's unbelievable. It literally does go off, like really does. It's non-stop. It's, it echoes around the, the terraces, but there has been a few, obviously we've been to, I think, every away bar QPR and it's pretty much the same everywhere you go. I think, obviously, I think the best we've had was Leeds. I think they, they were non-stop for the, the whole game. Aston Villa, when we went there, was, was silence until they went probably 2-0 up and then it kicked into life and it was like a proper old-fashioned ground. It was it went off then for the final 20 minutes against Aston Villa and it was a really... What was it? I won't say it was good to be a part of, but I, I enjoy the atmosphere. I enjoy going. I enjoy the fans. I enjoy the experience, and that's what happened. The whole place got behind the players, and there was only going to be one winner from there. So, it is an issue. I know Everton tried to address it. Obviously, I think it was the originals, eighteen seventy-eight, tried to get a group of people towards the Gladys Street to sing, but then it caused a bit of an issue regards to other people with obstructive views because we're trying to get like a, a singing section. So it, it does need to get addressed, I think, and, and going into obviously Bramley Moore, I think it might be a bit too late for Goodison now. But it, it, it's never been amazing. It, it's it, How can I wear it? It's, it's really difficult. When we go one or two in a lot, it, it, it bounces. And when we want a reaction, we get it. It's a really difficult question, that makes it's touchy and it's everyone's on the, it's on the topic of everyone's um, conversations on Twitter. I think a lot of home grounds are pretty much like Goodison. Um, I know Brighton was like a, that was just surreal when obviously when we went down there, it was kind of like, it was, 
it wasn't a football ground. It felt like it was like a holiday experience. It was just like a, a day out, a day trip. Didn't feel like I was at a football match with the home fans, but I think you, you don't get the, the the atmosphere with these new grounds, especially with the old terraces. It seems to creak, it seems to echo. But we need the players to get a reaction from the fans. I don't think we'll start cheering and chatting somebody's name if they're not performing, if, if you get what I mean. I'm trying to put it the best way I can. We need something from the players to kick it, to really kick on and get our singing voices on. But it does need to change. It, it, it's all fun in games when obviously the chants go off and the players get rallied up, but we need to see some back from the players. So, Nick, thanks for putting me on the, uh, the spotlight there. It's a really difficult question. But, uh, yeah, that's not my view on it. Matthew Neal, what are your thoughts on the Goodison atmosphere? Do you think it could be improved? Do you think the club maybe need to get involved and and work with Everton fans, maybe supporters clubs, to, to get the atmosphere better? I do. But I, what I would say is that a common theme throughout this season has been slow starts and it doesn't help the Goodison crowd. It's, it's one of the most expectant crowds in the country, probably. Um, and I think when Rafa's has, has, has said on numerous occasions, I get Scousers, I get Everton, you know, I've, I've lived in the city, I've done this, I've done that. I think he's right up to a point, but I don't think he quite gets what Goodison wants yet. Um, I think he, I think, I think he needs to understand that once we're on side, once Goodison's on side, then it's tough for anyone. Um, but it was, it was, it was, it was in a lull all day yesterday, not helped by the fact that whoever is on the timings for Z cars must be in rewind mode or something because it's about five minutes behind every time they come out in a minute. It's rubbish. You know, you've got the fire, the fire alarm still going off as the players come out. So that needs to be sorted out because that's a big part of the Goodison atmosphere. Not many grounds get that type of noise as the players come out anymore. Um, but I think certainly fast starts, certainly, you know, corners, free kicks, tackles, like Ben says, first five, ten minutes. It doesn't mean you go gung-ho, gung you know, playing defenders on the halfway line exposing yourself. I just think we need to come out the traps, certainly at home, a lot quicker. Um, I think that's that must be every home game we've had so far has been the same in, in that regard. Um Onto the actual Goodison itself, yeah. I look. I they, they've said they don't want rail seating at Goodison. Well, they can have lounges, but you can't have rail seating. That that confuses me. Um, if it's not rail seating, then it has to be some sort of ultra or singing section. I, I don't see anything wrong with that. Um, I know certain people have have tried to bring that in before and been you know laughed out of town. Well. I mean, if you enjoy atmospheres like yesterday, then, you know, go to the library because what's the point? You know, we, we want Goodison to be rocking. Um, and I, I certainly think the Goodison crowd, but I think good Everton themselves can certainly do something about that, whether it's rail seating or a singing section would, uh, would 100% improve the Goodison atmosphere, along with maybe a little bit more intensity in the first five, ten minutes from, from the team. Matt Smith, what are your thoughts on, on the Goodison atmosphere? Like I say, on social media, a lot of fans are now really heavily t- heavily criticising the atmosphere. They say, you know, you can hear a pin drop at times. Do you think the club should get involved and maybe try and figure out a plan on how to generate an atmosphere? I know many fans say, you know, you can't manufacture an atmosphere, but I, I think you can, can't you? You know, look at Celtic, for instance, they have a corner, and I, I might be wrong, I think it's called like the Green Brigade or something along those lines. They all stand and they create that atmosphere and so do other clubs. Do you think it's something that Everton should maybe look at, especially when they move into Bramley Moor? Yeah, definitely. I think um, I brought it up on Twitter a few weeks ago, actually. I was watching the Crystal Palace game and um, obviously they have their, sort of, I think they're called the Hunsdale Fanatics, I think. And... Um, you hear their atmosphere every single game and it's it's electric and I've got a lot of stick for it on Twitter. A lot of people agree and it's very much a 50-50 split, which I think represents quite a lot of the sort of Everton fans. Um, 
they're, they're sort of split. You get the certain people that aren't interested, and then you get the ones that, that do want to push it. Um, but yeah, a lot, a lot of people were just like, oh, it's just someone with a drum. And yeah, look, it's, okay, it may, it may be artificial, it may be like they're forcing it, but it does create an atmosphere and it, it, does, it does give that little extra edge. Um, I think you've made great points with the, you need something from, from the players. And, you know, whenever there's a big tackle, you know, a, you know, a counter attack, something like that, it, that's what gets the crowd going. And, performances like yesterday I think a lot of people highlighted the atmosphere yesterday more than sort of anything any other game this season and it goes hand in hand with the, with the performance um, and I, I don't know if people agree but I thought the last sort of 10 minutes when we were chasing a goal it just seemed like there was no urgency from any of the players and I think you know what sort of gets the crowd going is we get a corner and you know Townsend or Gray should, should be sprinting to the corner you know and sort of trying to get the fans going and that's what that the Everton fans will appreciate that you know they'll, they'll get on board with that and I, I saw one incident I, I did notice where we had a corner it was late in the game and obviously we were one of the down and Gray's sort of walking over to the corner you know the fans are clapping him but you know in that situation where you're chasing a goal you want you want your players to be sprinting there looking like they actually want to equalise it, it didn't look like we did um, so that, that was quite concerning and how do you expect the the fans to get up for a game, you know, to get up for it if the players aren't really showing it. Um, in previous games this season, you know, it's always been a sort of comeback at home, you know, the Burnley and Southampton games, for example, you know, we go a goal down half-time or just after half-time and then you get that quick couple of goals and then all of a sudden it's bouncing. So it does sort of directly relate to performance, but, you know, we, we do need to improve the atmosphere to... Because it can help the performance, so um, we can't just rely on the sort of players to bring the atmosphere for us, you know, with the get getting the crowd up and things. And um, so I definitely think something has to be done, but realistically, nothing's going to be done at Goodison Park. Um, like you said, they've already sort of said no about the the rail the rail seating. Um, but yeah, definitely there should be plans in place for for the move to Bramley Mall. And there we have it, Everton nil, West Ham 1. We move on to Watford at home on Saturday. Thanks to Jack, Lee, Ben, Matt and Matthew for joining us as always. We will be back Wednesday evening with all the talk and all the pre-match chat over Everton versus Watford again, which is a Saturday, a 3pm kickoff. In the meantime, stay safe, have a great week and we'll see you Wednesday. Take care and all the very best. Thank you.